Welcome to Spirit of the Midwest, a show featuring interviews and stories exposing the deep values and pride found in the heart of America. I'm your host, Wesley Noble, here today with my co-host, C.K. Hicks. And before we get started, uh, you heard us talk about Mostly Serious in our previous episode, and they partnered with us once again to make this recording possible. So we get to do an in-person interview today because of the equipment they sponsored, which is really amazing. Uh, Mostly Serious designs and builds beautiful online properties with a focus on e-commerce sites, software apps, and custom marketing sites. They're headquartered right here in Springfield, Missouri, and also have a group out in San Francisco. And you know, Wesley, we talk a lot about the Midwest values, um, but when we're out and about at creative meetups and we see these folks and get to talk with them in person, um, they're a great group of just really passionate Mm -hmm. web workers, and they believe in real collaboration. And I know they treat clients right as they work hard to deliver lots of value. Um, And speaking of value, they also partner with Give Ozarks, which is a charitable foundation serving 58 counties across central and southern Missouri. They've served over 2,700 charitable funds since 1973 and strive to enhance the quality of life in our region through things like resource development, community grant, uh, grant making, collaboration, and public leadership. So whether you need a new website, an online store, an app for mobile or desktop, Get in touch with these folks at MostlySerious.io or on Twitter at Mostly underscore Serious. And big thanks to them for their support yeah. of Spirit of the Midwest. It means a lot. So we're here today with Doug Wilson, uh, also currently based in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, you might have seen his film Linotype or uh, seen some of his work in letterpress and other industries. So Doug, it's a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so can you give us kind of a a quick intro on like what brought you to where you are creatively. I know we've talked before the show about your film work, we've talked about design, we've talked about video and, and other things that you've done, like dabbled in, but uh, but what kind of brought you to where you are and specifically within the context of Springfield? Yeah, so I am a graphic designer by trade. That's what I do. I uh, went to Missouri State, uh, well, was SMS at the time, uh, but graduated as Missouri State um, for graphic design. So that's where I come from. Everything that I do is from a graphic design background. But I have always been interested in uh, other disciplines. Um, While I was at Missouri State, I was a photographer for their photo services department. So photography's always been a big part of my, uh, quote unquote, I don't know, creative uh, output. Um, And then um, I would say about five years ago, I basically was naive enough to think I could become a filmmaker. And I had an an idea for a film, and we, uh, I partnered with two of my good friends, Brandon Goodwin and Jess Hugel, to make a film. And by the time I realized I didn't know what I was doing in filmmaking, it was too, uh, it was too far in the process to quit. So I just had to continue forward. So yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people do get a little confused because they're like, wait, are you a designer or are you a filmmaker or are you a letterpress printer? I don't really see those distinctions. Um, I, I did letterpress when I was in uh, school. I studied and learned using computers from the very beginning. So I'm very comfortable with that. But I also really like other forms of storytelling and other forms of visual communication. Very cool. So now you said when you were in school, you also you went to school here in Springfield, correct? I did, yeah. I went to Missouri State University uh, in Springfield, Missouri. Um, I didn't want to go there, actually. <laughs> I was originally, um, uh, after graduating high school, I really wanted to go to the Art Institute of Colorado, in okay. Denver, Colorado. Uh, went out there, visited, signed up, the whole thing. And thankfully, my parents had a bit of 
foresight um, and in realizing that it's it was extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. All private schools are, and so they convinced me to um, to spend a year, you know, kind of do undergrad work at at, at SMS. Um, and thankfully, uh, they did that because. Uh, as I got more and more into the uh, art and design program at Missouri State, I realized it was at the time a very, very strong mm-hmm. design program, and um, had some really amazing teachers that I learned from. And so I ended up staying at Missouri State and graduating mm-hmm. from there. Very good. So you've always been in Springfield, Springfield, then, right? Well, yes, for the most part, yes. I was. Uh, so I'm Missouri born and bred. Uh, born in Kansas City, actually, when I was. Uh, 12 years old, my parents moved, we moved down to the Springfield area, actually moved to Billings, Missouri, yeah. oh, nice. uh, which is nice if you don't have to live in it. Um, it's <laughs> a very small town. My sixth grade class in Kansas City had 1,200 students, and the town of Billings had 900 people oh, total, so it was, a bit of a cha- <laughs> it was a bit of a change, but yeah, so I've always been in the Springfield area, um, so I've been now in Springfield for fif- over 15 years, I guess, so definitely wow. from Springfield. That's, That's amazing. Actually. That's hilarious. I'm actually from Billings, too. Like, Where? I used to live in Billings. Oh, really? So, like, out in the country, uh-huh. between Billings and Republic. Where? That's where my parents live. Farm Road 31. <laughs> okay, well, we, we uh, my parents live off of Weber Road and, like, near Rose Hill. Oh, my gosh, um, yeah. Just near County Line Road. That is uh, hilarious. Like, Twin Lakes Drive is where they live. So, Bill- I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, Billings cracks me up. It's like a flea it is, market and a gas station. It's like a flea market and a gas station, and um, while I was there, they went from a blinking four four-way stop to a real uh, street, like an actual oh, stoplight. So that was a big deal. That was a big deal yeah. in, big time. Uh, in Billings. So yeah, it was a bit of a change to go from like Kansas City to Billings. But, I bet, um, yeah. but it, uh, you know, there are ways that you can, you know, I had some good teachers there, and um, but I was definitely ready to be out of Billings and only go back there to visit my parents. So, so is Springfield kind of like the happy medium for you, or do you prefer the even larger context like Kansas City and so forth? That's a good question. Um, I have learned to really appreciate Springfield and its size. Um, I would prefer a larger city. I really like Kansas City. I really like St. Louis. I like other cities as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Springfield, though, has a lot of advantages. I can, 30 minutes from now, I could be camping out in the middle of nowhere. That's true. (laughs) Um, Which is something I did a lot uh, uh, when I was in college. Um, You know, it only takes 15 minutes to drive across town. There are a lot of things that are nice about Springfield. um, And what is nice also about Springfield is there are a surprising amount of uh, creative people. They uh, sometimes are kind of out in the woodwork, but you right. can find them. And I think that's, what's really nice. There's only one degree that separates any creative person in Springfield. And I think that's, there's a surprising amount of people that are creative in this town. Uh, you just have to look a little harder, harder that's, to find them. That's what I found too. When I moved here about five years ago, um, I started off as a freelancer mm-hmm. and then went and worked for a little company and then ended up getting dumped and working as a freelancer again. Right. And I was like, I, you know, there's gotta be people here that do the kind of work that I do. And it just took, you know, some Google searching and emailing, and then those people, you say, do you know of anybody else? And they're like, oh, yeah, there's these other five. You're like, where are they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. You know, but it's great once you find them. And, like, that's how we discovered Mostly Serious. That's how we, I discovered my, you know, our, my current employer. And mm-hmm. it just, it through those little meetups and coffee shops and uh, the taverns and the little, t- you know, the little moments you get, like, you get to meet people and, and you right. find out what they do. And it's a pretty tight-knit group once, you, yeah. once you, you're like, oh, you know so-and-so? And yeah, like, oh, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's my brother or whatever. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I like that. That's something I really like about, about Springfield is it is, it's a very tight-knit community. Um, and I think what's nice about Springfield is it's such a small town that n- 
no one really has the right to get too much of an ego. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, if you need somebody to do filmmaking, okay, well, you contact this one person and he'll hook you up, or you contact this other person and she'll find a copywriter or a web designer or an app developer or whatever. Like, I think that's that's what I like about this creative uh, people in Springfield, yeah. 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 So now, have you worked in um, creative context? I mean, I know you've, you've traveled, and we'll talk about some of that, but, like, as far as just your direct creative work, have you done much of that outside of the Midwest, like over on the coast? or um, And like how, how has that been different for you um, just as a creative venture, like working in, in other places besides this area? That well, so what's kind of interesting is almost all of the work that I do, even though I'm based in Springfield, is with companies outside of Springfield. Um, I've worked with a couple bigger companies that were based on the East Coast, and uh, for a while I was doing a lot of work with a company... Uh, that's based on the East Coast, but actually out of London. And so I was ended up having to travel there some. Um, and I think what's good about the the Midwest is you have access to both coasts. I've worked with companies on both both coasts before. I've never physically worked there, though. Mm-hmm. I've only ever worked, you know, as a freelancer for them or as a consultant for them or something like that. Um, and it's kind of nice because of the low cost of living, right, in, right. in the Midwest. It's kind of nice to be able to... Um, either a not have to charge as much because I'm uh, I live in a cheaper place, or b to have that access. Okay, I'm just uh, you know a couple flights away from New York or from San Francisco or from London. Um, mm. So my experience has been that most of the companies I've done freelance, I've done some stuff for small companies or friends here in town, um, but a lot more of my work actually has been outside of Springfield. Very cool. And how do they like look at you as a Midwesterner working for them? I think this whole I think the whole like division the internet has changed it doesn't I don't sorry I'll try to get a sentence out it doesn't matter I think I think the whole thing is changed to be a quote unquote professional designer um, 15 years ago you had to be in New York you had to be on the East Coast or you had to be um, you know if you're a web developer even 10 years ago you had to be in San Francisco um, I don't think that that matters anymore. And I think more and more companies really understand that. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. with the internet, I can I can uh, do most things that I need to. I can interact. I can uh, you know I can get on Slack. I can get on email or whatever. Um, when I need to be in person, I can be there. It's, it's right, just yeah. flight. So that I think that whole like, I think that observation of like, oh well, maybe you're not a professional because you're in the Midwest. Right. I don't think that's. I think that's lessening a lot more. Um, and it's just kind of going away because everyone, everyone's understanding. Well, yeah, I mean, we live now, thankfully, due to the internet, in a in a time that we don't have to physically be together at all times. Yeah. it's hard sometimes to work remotely, and it's really difficult sometimes. I really like face to face stuff, so I'm very much willing to travel. But um, I don't think there's that. I don't know that I've ever gotten this like, oh wait, you're from Missouri. Oh, right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're really up to snuff. Um, one thing that was fun when we were traveling for Linotype the film, we traveled a lot on the East Coast, New York, Boston, some on the West Coast, um, and they always asked, oh, where are you from? And they always assumed that we were just a production company from New York. And I kind of liked saying, no, we're from <laughs> you were you know we're from the Midwest. We're from a small town in in Missouri. Um, partially they didn't know where it was. Right. Uh, then they'd, of course, make the Springfield joke of the Simpsons because, right, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Springfield, everything is the Simpsons. But um, I kind of like that because the thing with the Midwest is uh, people don't expect a lot from you. So you can 
kind of over deliver hmm. and um, and surprise people in nice ways and and you don't have to have the pretense of like oh I'm a production company from uh, Los Angeles and right. we're really important because we're from LA mm. or we're really important because we're from New York I don't think it matters if you make good work as long as you're making good work it doesn't matter anymore where you live and I think that's nice yeah, yeah. And, and you know something weird that's been kind of a common theme as we've like teased these answers out of different guests that we've had is mm-hmm. the the division is not so much a geographic one or even a skill or talent based one anymore. It's, it's you know the it's kind of those humble beginnings that a lot of us have mm-hmm. when you grew up in this area and you you were out on you're in a small town where literally there was a flea market and a you know <laughs> like a gas station you know? right and you learn it's just kind of that hardiness and that personality of that personalization of being able to walk up to somebody because you have to know everybody and you have, right. you know you get used to knowing people face to face and. And that's how you connect with people. And so that comes through in a lot of these digital communications now. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this guy's really personable. And you're like, yeah, well, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that is definitely the Midwest thing of like, of, of being nice to people and being outgoing. Um, I mean, I'm definitely myself am an outgoing person just in general, but I think, um, I think that the people that I've worked with have liked the, the ability that I can relate. I think that's another thing, like, um, being from the Midwest, I, I hope that I don't have a specific mindset or a specific take on a certain person or a cer- certain situation. Perhaps someone in New York would look down on somebody from the Midwest or from the South, or somebody from the South wouldn't trust a Yankee or whatever. <laughs> I think Missouri is kind of nice. It's it's so weird and in the middle mm-hmm. that um, there is a fair amount of... I mean, there's not a lot of diversity, which bothers me, but there's a, a fair amount of other types of um, people. There's liberal people in the Midwest and there's conservative people in the Midwest. And I think being from the Midwest, it allows you to um, hopefully just kind of be open a bit more and a bit more outgoing to those people. And yeah, and to be nice. I think I think when, when you're working with somebody um, in general, you want to work with nice people. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps. And so if you are nice and if you are outgoing and if you don't have that pretense of whatever... East Coast or or whatever you know pretense of wherever I mean because there's pretentious people in Missouri and there's right, pretentious yeah, people absolutely. everywhere but like if you are nice and good at your work and good at communicating um, I think that pays off in quite big volumes yeah 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 it, it is hilarious to me how Missouri has been consistently confused uh, like even through American history just right. like where it stands and yeah I think Missouri <laughs> so. I talk a lot about Missouri to other people, and, and especially, especially Springfield. Missouri's a funny state because we're not west and we're not east, mm-hmm. and we're not north and we're not south. And it's that weird thing, but I really kind of like that. But, like, there are definitely, you know, backwoods southern people in Missouri, and there are definitely blue-blooded liberal people right. in Missouri. And I think that, I think that a lot of people that have not been to the Midwest or to Missouri, just consider Missouri, oh, well, it's just flyover country. Yeah. Wait, you're not in California? You're not in New York? You're not in Chicago? Well, whatever. I don't I don't care about you. Um, and I think that's just a misconception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And, I just, and I'm like, well, okay, you can think that if you want, but there are super liberal people here as well. And yes, okay, maybe our state in general voted for George W. Bush, but... I didn't, and other people didn't, or whatever. Like I just, I do get a little frustrated with people that just like, oh, you dumb idiots in the middle in the Midwest. Right, yeah, like, yeah. well, okay, you dumb idiots in New York because yeah, yeah. it's the same thing. Like, there are as as racist of people in New York as there are in Springfield, and yeah. vice versa. Like, and I think that's something I've learned 
um, that everywhere you go, there are good people and there are bad people, and there are talented people and there are untalented people. And and I think what's nice is the internet is definitely erasing a lot of that understanding of like, wait, you're from the Midwest? Oh, let me look at you again. Because before I would have totally ignored you, but mm. yeah, it looks like you do good work. Okay. Um, that's neat. And so I think that's nice. I think that's a nice thing. The Hopefully, the good of the internet, besides cat videos, is like <laughs> the idea of of kind of evening the playing field. So if you do good work, you can have as much exposure being from the Midwest as you can yeah. being from um, somewhere else. Yeah. Totally. Well, let's switch gears just mm-hmm. a little bit and talk about Linotype, okay. the film. So I had, we were talking a little bit beforehand. I had no idea that you had just gotten to filmmaking like five years ago. Yeah, well, yes. I mean, that is <laughs> yeah. just crazy, and it is such an amazing film. I remember Thank watching you. it and being like, Wait, I was looking at the credits like, wait, this guy's from Springfield? I had yeah. no idea. And well, it's thank such you. an amazing film. I love it. Well, I, I wasn't the only person to make the film. I worked with Brandon Goodwin yeah. and Jess Hewell. So, I, I mean, I definitely, it was not a solo venture, but it definitely was my baby. Yeah. Um, and so Linotype totally came out of um, my naivete, as I said, of just wanting to tell the story of the Linotype. So while I was um, in graphic design school at Missouri State, I taught myself letterpress printing, which is this old-fashioned technology of printing before new technologies. Um, I won't get into that because it's kind of boring. But I taught myself letterpress printing. And so I visited... uh, There's only one or two shops here in Springfield that still have any letterpress equipment. And so I visited one, which was Tim Trower's shop, who is featured in the film. Um, And I just happened to visit on a day that he had the linotype on and hot. And so I was looking at his different equipment, and he said, well, have you seen this? And he showed me the linotype, and I'd never seen it. And I was like, what the hell is this crazy machine? Uh, can we, I don't know. If no, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, uh, I was just like, what is this machine, this crazy thing, and how do I not know about it? I'm a graphic designer studying printing, and I've never heard of the linotype machine. And so I started doing, went home and did research, and uh, found out more information about the linotype and how big of an impact it had on the world, but uh, no one had, no one, uh, no one knew about it. It was this weird machine that was in the back of print shops. They only, the people knew that they got a daily newspaper. They didn't care how they got it, right? But this machine, if it had not have been invented, we wouldn't have Twitter the way that we have it now. We wouldn't have CNN. We wouldn't have the 24-hour news and mm-hmm. up-to-date news in the form that we have it now if it wasn't for this weird machine invented in the late 1800s. So I saw this machine and I said, somebody needs to tell the story. So that was it. That's where it all started from. And I was like, well, you know, it's such a visual machine. You've got to show the machine. And, and, and so the more I dug into it, the more I realized there are some other weird, crazy old guys that have these machines <laughs> and still love them. And um, so I talked to my friend Brandon and Jess and said, hey, I want to make a short film. Originally, we were just going to make like a five or ten minute film to put on YouTube because everything else was just, you know, a little shaky camera video. I wanted to do something nice and high quality. Um, we shot for a couple days here with Tim. We went up to one place in uh, Iowa to shoot. And then from there, we launched a Kickstarter and it was successful. And we realized people on the internet like really were interested in this weird machine. And, and like what I liked is that people that were like web designers were interested in the line mm-hmm. type, which I didn't expect at all. And so that was really, really cool. And it kind of just snowballed from there to make a full uh, feature-length film. And it's been very well received and traveled the world and um, I mean we didn't win an Academy Award but that's fine because we didn't set out to I just um, that's kind of nice being kind of getting back to your original question 
um, not being a filmmaker, not going to film school, I didn't feel any pressure to like, oh, I've got to make this my first right, film, and yeah. after this film, I got to make a next film, and after this one, like, if I never make another film, I'm really proud of what we made. Um, and I think that coming from the outside perspective, I had no preconceived notions of how to make a film, which were both, which is both good and bad. Sure. I made tons of mistakes, but I also made a lot of uh, decisions that made the film unique and made the film what it was because I didn't have to worry about, well, am I doing it the right way or not? I was like, oh, crap, I just have to make it. Yeah, well, um, and I appreciate the the note on, like, you know, because I'm a developer by trade, but I went mm-hmm. to school for audio video and okay. have a background in photography and things like that. And so right. it's fun to see those kind of cross-discipline interests where yeah. there's some connecting point. And again, I think this gets back to what you were saying about the internet, kind of decentralizing things where, mm-hmm. you know, before it was, you are in the film industry. You know, I remember, yeah. I, and I looked at, San Francisco as a place to go for a web job. And yeah, I looked of at, you know, And so, but I can watch things that people are making and appreciate them. You know, there's some handcrafted goods here in town that I was like, oh my goodness, I love how these are made. I love right. the process. And, and I'm, I'm not a handcraft artist at all. Right, but, of course. But I can take interest in it because it's been decentralized and exposed to me. Right. And that's the cool thing about projects like yours is, is they kind of, you know, lift the lid and other people can look in and go, oh, I so appreciate that now. You right. Know? It just kind of pulls right. in everybody in. Yeah, I don't, I've never, I've just never had patience for people that are like, oh, I'm going to put you in this box and you're a photographer <laughs> and you're a web designer and you're a, design, a graphic designer. Like, I don't know, to me, Linotype was telling a story yeah. and that's what graphic design is. Whether you're working for an ad agency or yourself, you're telling a story, you're using visuals. Filmmaking just means it's a lot Yep. harder it's just <laughs> it's just moving it, you know it's just moving pictures that's that's the thing I don't I don't see this big difference between filmmaking and graphic design yeah. um, it's composition it's visual storytelling very good um, yeah so that's that's I don't I've never seen that division um, and it's always bothered me that people have but I think people are changing yeah yeah definitely you know there's web designers that are making handmade leather goods there are uh, uh, app app developers that are dabbling in typography you know mm-hmm. all these sorts of things I think that I think that's great yeah. to me um, you can no longer just stay in w- I don't know you can't stay in one thing your whole life I think I just think that's that's boring yeah well and the opportunities know. are there now between the internet and then between things like maker bots and all this other stuff yeah for sure now, you can you can dabble as you said you know in, right. in any of these things very easily yeah like, oh absolutely it's the that democratization of the technology has been amazing because we couldn't have made Linotype the film um, you know five or six years ago before we started like 10 years ago no way we would have had to have three hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment um a professional edit bay right um i mean the secret of linotype the film is we actually edited on an imac nice. like we used final cut pro but it was on an imac it was on brandon's personal imac we were <laughs> going to use this uh studio and then he was more comfortable editing at home we shot it with dslr cameras you know sure. um and that was a very specific decision that we made to shoot with dslr cameras but um, they were just kind of coming out at that point. The Canon, the 5D, and the 7D mm-hmm. had just come out. Um, people were just starting to get into that. But I don't know, for ten or $15,000 worth of equipment, we made a film that five years before that would have been a quarter-million-dollar right. project. Exactly. Um, and that is awesome. And that's also scary because that means a lot of idiots can make a lot of crap. <laughs> just the sa- It's the same with music, right? Anyone can now sit in their, you know, their home studio and record a pretty damn good-sounding album yeah. Doesn't mean it's good, yeah. um, and so I think that 
you know, more and more people are becoming filmmakers, quote unquote, or more and more people are com- becoming whatever, um, it does make it more difficult to differentiate the good from the bad. Right. But I am very much okay with that. I'm very much happy that that democratization has happened um, because it's benefited myself and Brandon and Jess very well. Um, you know, there wasn't, there was no longer that huge um, divider of like, oh, these are pro filmmakers and these are amateurs. That that is that line has totally gone away, or at least been really really blurred. And if you are really good and you still have a good sense of composition and filmmaking, you can make a good film. You can also take the same equipment and make a terrible film. Right. So it's up to you to to tell a good story. Um, but thankfully, the equipment and the processes are more and more becoming easier yeah. and easier. Yeah. That's that's awesome. And I do want to give a quick shout out to someone still loves you, Boris Yeltsin. Yes, absolutely. Actually, when I was watching the screening of Linotype okay, at the uh-huh. Moxie, uh, okay, yeah, uh, I was I watched the credits. I was like, I was thinking about podcast music, intro uh, music for yeah. us, and I watched the credits. I was like, this would be perfect music yeah. for our podcast. So yeah. that's actually where I got the inspiration for our podcast theme music. Awesome, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. So someone still loves us, loves you, Boris Yeltsin. <laughs> still hard to say, Sizzleby. <laughs> um, I mean, part of the reality is that when one of the pitfalls of not knowing what you're doing with uh, filmmaking is I had no idea that you had to license music and it cost tens of thousands of dollars to license good music so we were like oh crap what are we going to do for music and so um, yeah thankfully Jess uh, knew the guys from Boris Yeltsin and they were really really helpful and they gave us a really good discount to be able to use their music and so a lot of the music is uh, Boris Yeltsin and then also a band that I guess is still no longer around Cornbelt Chorus but several of our friends are in Cornbelt Chorus they're from Springfield so a lot of the music is from Springfield and what I like about Linotype that kind of brings up another point we so focused on trying to make this a Springfield production. Hmm. Um, our color corrector was Dax Bedell. He's here in Springfield, Missouri. And he's a super talented color corrector. Um, Dana Dominguez did our audio mixing, and um, he was, I guess he's now uh, out in D.C., but he was from Springfield, Missouri. Um, music's from Springfield. The three of us are from Springfield. So, like, again, 10 years ago, no way could we have made a film and all, almost all of the main talent being from Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. Like, and I think that's that's something we really focused on and really we were proud of. And and I, I don't think that our the quality suffered. In fact, I think the quality was as good as as many other productions out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean, so that's fun to be able to work with people in Springfield. Um, was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's like you said. You know, once you uncover the people that are around you, sometimes you get surprised at the creativity that's in the woodwork. And, yeah, for sure. Know, it just you'd learn to draw it out and, and go visit people and kind of be a little outgoing and, and right, yeah. find some neat stuff along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Now you also um, you so going back to your kind of as far as your schooling and yeah. discovering uh, the letterpress and things like that, you spent some time uh, over in England and Europe, right? Is to study some of that? Yeah, well actually uh, in Switzerland. So um, I, I did letterpress printing. I um, got connected with uh, some good friends. Well, now are good friends of mine. A gallery um, slash online shop uh, in London, England that sells. I did a bunch of posters, and they've sold my posters for years. Um, but my wife actually was getting her master's degree at Missouri State in public health, and she took a uh, summer internship in Geneva, Switzerland. So mm. her and I moved to Geneva, nice. and I found a place that I could work as a letterpress artist in residence there. Um, and uh, so that summer, I mean, it sounds, it was actually really great. It sounds ridiculous, but we also, like, 
we ate cheese and baguettes because sure. we had no money because right. yeah. Geneva is very expensive. But yeah, we spent the summer in Geneva. She worked at the World Health Organization, part of the UN, and I worked as a letterpress uh, artisan residence, basically just printing whatever I wanted to. I found this old shop um, in Geneva that had all this equipment, and basically they let me print there for the summer. So yeah, so we did a little bit of traveling. We uh, we lived overseas for just I mean just for the summer, but yeah, um, I, it was no it wasn't formal training, but it was kind of a just taking advantage of an opportunity that I had. Well, it was just neat to see that, you know, you get that exposure. You talked about the advantages of traveling even on the coasts for Linotype mm-hmm. and then getting that extra exposure of going overseas and seeing similar industry in a different place and, and stuff like that. It's just, yeah. I have to imagine that broadens your horizon a little bit. De- oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, travel and is is very, very important to me and, and being able to work with people. I think that's part of what's fun is getting able to work with people outside of uh, Springfield. I mean, the world is surprisingly small, you know, yeah. and and so it, I think that's always helped uh, me. Everything from making connections to just seeing and working in a different uh, atmosphere to kind of I don't know inspire. It's it sounds very trite that you know travel broadens your horizons, but I, no, think, it's, but I think it's really true. It's important um, and it helps. Yeah. And I think that's something that um, I really try to encourage people from Springfield to do. That is something that kind of bumps me out. A lot of people from Springfield don't travel very much and I I don't know I just I want to encourage people to travel just to see how other people do life Mm -hmm. Um, and and it it inevitably informs what I do whether it's my creative output or just what I think about a situation yeah Mm. very cool one more thing that I really want to talk about Uh is your involvement with biking Okay. And okay. Yes. Like, <laughs> right. That's just so cool. And like, I've seen like pictures you post on like Instagram and stuff right. of your travels, and I even yes. like poked into your, what is it, Kiva? Strava. 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 Strava yes. Yeah. So Strava. Yeah. Right. So yes, I I like to cycle. I like biking. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh. Two or three years ago, a friend of mine, um, got into mountain biking, and so he like got me into mountain biking, and so I borrowed his bike for a little while, and then I was like, oh my god, I love this. So I continued mountain biking, and then he about a year ago or two uh, got into road biking, and so I got into road biking. So cycling to me is it's funny because it's something that I did as a kid. Like man, I would say f- from the age of six until ten or eleven, I mean, I would ride my bike. And I think most kids do this, right. like, but I, I rode my bike. Everywhere. I remember yeah. in summer, I mean, from sunrise to sunset, I rode my bike just everywhere. That's yeah. what I did. And I loved it. And then I don't know what happened. I just didn't ride my bike in high school and college. Um, and then, yeah. So my friend, it kind of got me into mountain biking. and just got me back into cycling. And so, yeah, so I, I cycle, I try to cycle a lot. I'm definitely not a pro by any means. I'm definitely an amateur, but, um, I like to bike. Um, I have a road bike, I have a mountain bike. And yes, I use Strava. It's this kind of nerdy app where you track your rides and That's stuff like so that. Cool. But it's it's kind of fun. And you know, I debated when I was redoing my website. I debated putting like a link to my Strava along with my Twitter and my email mm-hmm. and everything. And I was like, oh, it's fun. Like, I don't know. To, again, to me, I'm most interested in people that have diverse interests. Mm-hmm. Right. And so cycling is the most expensive. It doesn't give me anything. Like it costs me money. I'm always buying new parts for my bike or whatever. And it's always, it's very expensive, but, um, I do it just, it, it really helps me clear my head. It helps me think. It keeps me fit. I don't know. I like cycling and I think I've found other people and made some really good friendships, um, through cycling. It's actually even brought me design work. Now that I think about it, I worked a sunshine bike shop here in Springfield. (laughs) I worked with a good friend, Adam Bolin, working on redesigning the website 
or not their sorry, not their website, their logo and their identity and everything. And that all came from me being a Sunshine Bike Shop. Uh, the word customer, uh, customer. Yeah. and um you know going in i'm always in the shop always you know buying stuff from a bike or you know nice. whatever and i bought a couple bikes from them and one day they're like wait aren't you a graphic designer i was like yeah and so from that i you know they hired me to rede- redesign their logo and identity nice. and everything so i guess in that sense cycling has paid off a bit yeah. but um yeah i mean i cycling to me is just it's fun i like to do it i like it i like being outdoors and um yeah. Mm, yeah, I never thought that I would like road biking. I thought, oh, only mountain biking. Um, but I'm more and more really into road biking as well. Very cool. And so, do you commute every day? Then? Well, I do, but um, I commute like literally a quarter mile. I my wife and I live on the other side of uh, downtown. We're at nice. Walnut and Jefferson, nice. and my office is at Walnut and Campbell. So, I mean, sure. yes, I commute, quote unquote, <laughs> but it's very short. But yeah, I mean, I try to ride my bike. I like that. That's part of the reason we live downtown is because we wanted to be close to my office, and mm-hmm. we've always lived down, my wife and I have always lived downtown, uh, or near downtown at least, within a few miles. I just, to me, I really like downtown Springfield, try to support it, try to eat here and yeah. work here and live here, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I commute, um, but I don't know. I have some good friends that, like, really commute. They go, like, <laughs> you know, five or ten miles a day, and so I, I don't claim that I commute. Sure. But yes, I did ride my bike to work this morning. There you go. Um, because it's actually... Honestly, it would probably take me longer to walk down to my car, start it, sweat like crazy, turn yeah. on the air conditioner, drive through. <laughs> like, I might as well just hop on my bike and, and get over here. That's great. Yeah. Well, you know, as a as a wrap up question, mm-hmm. what advice do you would you have to your younger self, maybe your college student self at Missouri State University, uh-huh. with big dreams and aspirations, right? With your background now. <sighs> We really should warn people I about know. this. I know, I know. It's <laughs> kind of a bomb. No, it's a, it's a good question. I would... You know what? I, I Of course, I went to Missouri State. I never thought I would make a film. I never thought that making a, a weird independent documentary film would be what I would become quote-unquote known for. I'm definitely mm-hmm. not famous. People think like, oh, you went to London to show the film? You must be famous. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm definitely not famous. Um, but I think I would just say just... It's kind of lame, but trust your gut, trust your instincts, follow what you're passionate in. The whole thing started, I was in graphic design, I liked computers, but I was like, man, I want something tactile, so I got into letterpress printing um, and found all this letterpress equipment, and, and that was totally just following my passion. No one, you know, no one, I, you know, letterpress wasn't the fashionable thing that it was, or it is now at that time. It was just very much the kind of the start of the curve. Now, now everyone's in a letterpress and it's, and it's great. Um, but that was, so I was just following my interest in this weird kind of printing. And so through letterpress got me into this uh, interest of linotype. And then I realized, well, nobody else is going to tell the story about the linotype. So I might as well follow that and, t- and make a film about it. Hmm. Um, I don't know what's next. It's actually a very weird time in my quote unquote career right now. I'll tell you. Um, you know, I may actually not be living in the Midwest very much longer, so I don't know if we can even oh, you're air fine. this podcast yeah. or not. But um, I think, yeah, I just say just follow your interests, which sounds really cliche, but I think the whole thing with Linotype is it was a passion project, and I think and I hope and I, I do believe that it that comes out in the final film um, that it was it was something and it was two years of blood, sweat, and tears, literally all three of those. Mm-hmm to get the film out um, and to promote it and to get it out there for people to see. But 
um, following that my gut instinct and just like you know what there's something that interests me and if I explore it maybe other people are going to be interested in it um, that's something that I would tell my younger self just follow follow your gut and follow your passions which is not easy everyone now says oh just follow your passions quit your job mm-hmm. become a freelancer it's really damn hard yeah it like I my wife worked for two years while I made literally $1,500 in two years while I was making the film. Like, so like there were serious sacrifices that had to be made by myself and even more by my wife. Um, and I think that's something, you know, everyone's like, Oh, read these books and follow your passions. Yes. But guess what? You have to learn how to be an accountant. You have to learn how to budget. You have to really like, it's not, easy right. but it's very worthwhile hmm. and I think that's that's another thing I guess I would tell myself is like it's not going to be easy but to me the pursuit of easy or the easiest path is very often less um, less desirable and, and pays off less yeah mm-hmm. so I guess that's what I tell myself I don't yeah, know I don't know if that's, that's, that's a great know, answer but that's yeah that's, yeah that's what I would say um, follow your passions but it's going to be hard as hell yeah Love but it. it's also going to be worth it. Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing. Like, yeah, it's going to be worth it. Very good. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank this you was guys. so I much really fun. I hope, hope it was helpful. Yeah, no, it's been great. And uh, you can get to know Doug by visiting his website at onpaperwings.com. Or you can really get to know him by getting in touch with him on Twitter at mm-hmm. realdougwilson. And you can learn more about this show by visiting spiritofthemidwest.fm. Uh, drop us a, a review if you like the show, or even if you don't, we appreciate the feedback, and we, uh, we want your honest feedback, and it helps promote the show. And thanks for tuning in. Please join us next time as we celebrate the spirit of the Midwest. I want to show